Hey everyone, Chris Fafali is here coming at you with a little mini episode about the phenomenon of Kate Bush running up that hill, A Deal With God. The resurgence of this song is unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, off the top of my head, the one thing that comes to mind is how big Bohemian Rhapsody got after Wayne's World, which I was a kid when Wayne's World came out. And yes, that was my first exposure to that song. I think we'll go with a little Bohemian Rhapsody, gentlemen. Good call. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo. Galileo. So it's no surprise that running up that hill, being so prominently featured in season four of Stranger Things, has given the song, which was released in August of 1985, a whole new life. You belong here. The song peaked at number 30 on the U.S. Billboard 100 upon its original release, but now, at the time of this recording, it is currently sitting at number 4. I was starting to see the people posting the song online and starting to see people use it in TikToks. And I was like, damn, did everyone all of a sudden just get really amazing taste in music? Then about a week after the new season of Stranger Things was released, I finally binged it. And I was like, oh, I get it now. And now it's everywhere. It's so everywhere that I'm even starting to see the inevitable backlash against it. But, you know, haters are going to hate. I heard it today playing at the car dealership while I was waiting for my car to get serviced. I saw my girlfriend's kid twerking to it in the kitchen while listening to it on repeat, to which she told him, hey, you can't twerk to this song. He proved her wrong. A woman put it on at the bar jukebox that same night. I mean, it's undoubtedly the song of the summer, and I'm not complaining. I love it. My personal relationship with the music of Kate Bush is as follows. I knew her from the Peter Gabriel song, Don't Give Up, which was on his incredible 1986 album, So. To be honest, as much as I love Peter Gabriel, I was never really a fan of that song, so, no pun intended, I didn't investigate Kate any further after that. Many years later, I became aware of the song Weathering Heights, which was Kate's debut single from January of 1978. It was a huge song in the UK. It went to number one there, as well as in Australia, Ireland, Italy, New Zealand, and Portugal. She was only 18 years old when she wrote the song. She wrote it in only a few hours, and she recorded the vocal for it in a single take. It is very critically acclaimed even to this day. 
It's a really unique sounding song and it's right up my alley, which makes me wonder, why didn't I dig deeper after hearing that? It was many years later, in fact, within the last five or so, that I really got into Kate Bush. I can thank my bandmates in the band Pack for insisting that I listen to her Hounds of Love album, which is the album that Running Up That Hill was from. Kelly and Josh from Pack knew that I was the world's biggest Bjork enthusiast, and they were very surprised to hear that I was only lukewarm on Kate Bush. I took their advice, and I was instantly like, oh, this is everything I love about music and obviously an influence on Bjork. I was right about that, too. And I think she's one of the most uh, pioneer, like the biggest pioneer in produce production. And uh, lot of, everybody just says, oh, she's just a singer. She's just a chick. You know, they sing. But they forget all the other work she's done, that woman. Very, very, very gorgeous. She's called Kate Bush. And here's a song by her, which I think she wrote when she was 16 or something. And it's called Wuthering Heights. Bjork has commented that she feels honored to be compared to, in her words, such a genius. And she saw the obvious parallel in that her and Kate Bush both wrote and produced a lot of their own material. Which once again brings me back to the Hounds of Love album. Kate built her own 24-track studio in the summer of 1983 in the barn behind her family home. She upgraded her studio during the recording, but instead of re-recording anything, she took all the original sessions and built them out, overdubbing and mixing the album along the way. The album was divided into two suites. Side one of the record has all the singles, and side two, which is called The Ninth Wave, is a seven-song progressive concept piece about love and womanly passion. been described as a vision quest which takes the listener through a death and rebirth i think that's really cool but the singles on this album they are all incredible running up that hill is the opening track but the second track the one the album is named after hounds of love is just as awesome it was the song we had discussed covering in pack and we never did but maybe we should have in the trees it's coming Cloud Busting is another absolute jam on this album. Crazy that I knew this one because of this dance song by this band called Utah Saints. Uh, the song is called Something Good, and I heard it back in the day, and it always stuck in my head. And it's crazy that it's stuck in my head because the part that stuck in my head was from the Kate Bush song.
The Hounds of Love album has almost universal critical acclaim, and it's not only Bjork who cites Kate as a huge influence. Here's Big Boy from Outkast. My top two artists of all time when I started really loving music is Kate Bush, Bob Marley. I call it my 1A, my 1B, and two would be N.W.A. So, yeah, that's where my musical tastes lie. As far as the song Running Up That Hill, since it's indeed the song of the moment, I guess I should talk a little bit about what the song's about. Or, better yet, I'll just let Kate Bush from the 80s take care of that. That was the first song I wrote when we moved to the country. Um, I think it was perhaps an expression of freedom from the things that I'd, I'd felt before. But it's very much about love and the power of love and the frustration of misunderstanding with, within relationships. And that if a man could become a woman and a woman a man within their relationship, that perhaps they'd understand a bit more about each other. And that's the deal with God. Yes. <laughs> the song began as a rough eight-track recording using a Lindrum, a Fairlight CMI, and a piano. A Fairlight CMI, for anyone who wants to know, I didn't know. Uh, CMI stands for Computer Musical Instrument, and it was a digital synthesizer, sampler, and digital audio workstation. It was a really advanced piece of musical equipment at the time, and when you see pictures of it now, it looks like a very 80s computer thing, like out of a movie. I think it looks incredible. And obviously, it sounds incredible when you listen to this song. The original title of the song was A Deal With God, but EMI Records was hesitant to release the song with that title because of its use of the word God. They were worried about possible negative reception in more religious countries, but... As we all know, the A Deal With God part is still included in parentheses in the song's title on the album. So it remains to be seen if Running Up That Hill actually does go to number one. But regardless, the cultural impact of the song has been huge. I really do hope that everyone who does a YouTube cover of it or uses it in the background of a TikTok video or twerks to it in the kitchen takes the time to check out her back catalog and her extensive collection of wildly artistic music videos because all of it is just awesome. It's also very inspiring to know that if you write a song that's that good, sometimes it just takes the whole world a while to realize it. Sometimes it even takes 37 years. It's you Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.